Well, 21 years ago, 21, I arrived as a freshman on campus at the University of Illinois. And yeah, U of I, here's the thing. You don't come in thinking you never leave. But anybody else come to the U of I and just end up sticking around this area? Yeah, okay, it's a great place to be. Great place to raise a family. But I came to the U of I as a freshman on a mission. I had been raised in a family that had very little resources. We lived paycheck to paycheck, and no one in my family had ever gone to college before. So when I came to the U of I, I came on a mission to succeed. And I really came to change the trajectory of my life. Well, I got paired randomly with a roommate who hailed all the way from Arizona, and she came from a very different family. She was a really nice girl, but she came from a very wealthy family, lots and lots of money, and she came on a very different mission. Uh, <laughs> she came to get a degree, like don't hear me say she didn't, but she also came to have a whole lot of fun. And our ideas of fun looked a little different. I mean, hers was like sneaking boys into our all-girl dorm, so sweat and panic. Because actually, I know I seem like a rule breaker, but I really wasn't, I, I was very afraid of that. Um, and then my ideas of fun was like paying my bills and getting good grades. So it was like we were kind of heading two different ways. Um, it was fine. But you know what? I had to make some decisions to help live out the mission that I wanted to live on. And that means I had to prioritize my, way, my life in a way that would help me live out and do the things that I say I wanted to do. And all of us actually have this opportunity. We have an opportunity to prioritize our lives around the things that help us live out our mission because our priorities either fuel our mission or deter our mission. And maybe you're sitting here today, you're like, I've never ever thought about my life mission. Do I have a mission? Like, is there something I'm supposed to be doing? Your mission is your why. Why do you do the things you do? Why are you living the life you're living? What is it you want to get out of life? Because if left undefined, my, my guess is you're not going to end up living the life that you say you want to live. The decisions we make, the priorities we have, will either fuel or deter our mission. So I was on a mission to get a bachelor's degree so that I could change the trajectory of my life. And that means that I dedicated my time, my energy, and my money to living out that mission. Say so your mission is to be really healthy. It means you're going to do things in your life to help you live a healthy lifestyle. You're going to eat whole foods. You're going to drink a lot of water. You're going to take vitamins. You're going to exercise every day, all in the name of what? Health. You're going to prioritize your life in such a way so that you can do the things you say you want to do so that you can live the life you say you want to live. Living with a clear mission motivates us to move forward. And it helps us prioritize our life in a way that we can accomplish and do the things we say we want to do. And so in this series as a church, we've been looking at our mission as spirit-filled believers in Jesus. And we've looked a little closer about our why. Why do we exist as a church? So if you consider yourself part of the Vineyard family, you know that our collective mission, our shared mission, is to encounter love, experience transformation, and extend the miraculous. And what we've learned as we've studied Ephesians 3.20 is that, guess what? There's more. There's more for each of us in our lives because God is able to accomplish more than we can think or ask him. And I don't know if you've come in today wondering, like, is there more? Have you come in feeling a little depleted? Have you come in a little tired? Do you need breakthrough? Do you need provision? Are you just unsatisfied with where your life currently is? Do you wonder if there might be a little bit more? Well, if so, you've come to the right place because this is the truth. There is more. 
But what we're gonna discover is that we will experience the more of life as believers when we come around the mission of Jesus and we prioritize living out that mission together. So everyone say together. Together. All right, let's pray and we'll jump into the word. So Holy Spirit, we love you so much and I thank you for this morning together with your believers. I thank you for our family joining us online. I thank you that the same spirit that is here is in them and that we are united by your spirit. And so we welcome you today to do um, what only you can do, Jesus. We love you so much and we invite you to be our teacher. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to start off today by making a very bold statement. So hold on to your chairs or your neighbor or something. I believe that for us to experience the fullness of life, for us to experience the more as disciples of Jesus, if we are not in regular, intentional relationship with other believers, it will not be possible. I'll say, oh, you like this. This is great. Okay. You're going to love the message today then. (laughs) We're going to talk about this a lot. It's impossible for us to experience the fullness that God has promised us if we think that we can do it on our own. We were designed to do this thing together. But let me tell you, there's this cute new trend out there where people of faith, they say, oh my gosh, yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't need his church. Oh, I, I, I love Jesus, but I just, I don't do like organized religion. I love Jesus, but I got plenty of friends. I don't need these people. And I would just tell you, in total love, it's just not possible. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's not the game, Okay. Imagine someone saying, I'm a football player. I play football. I practice drills in my yard. I throw my ball at this little target, study all the plays. I watch the game every weekend. I'm a football player. I would say to you, in love, no, you're not. Why? Because you're saying, oh, I mean, I don't like play with others. I don't play football like on a team. I don't like, we don't like line up team against team and then like hike set punch, kick, something like, I actually do love football. I know a couple things. If you say, I'm a football player, but you never played on a team, I'm going to tell you, you're not a football player. You might be an admirer of the game. You might really like the game, but you're not a football player. And in the same vein, and it's not to be mean, is to tell you, if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, but you say, I got this on my own. I don't need the people. You don't understand the game. It's just not the game. I'm not trying to hurt feelings. Yeah, tiptoe back. Check out my notes. We've seen the fruit of people trying to do this on their own, right? We've seen it. We've lived it. We think we can do this on our own. We've read the scientific articles. They say countless negative effects of isolation, right? That's where we do it alone. Mental health issues, physical issues. People are lonely. And do you know why? It wasn't the design. People were humans. We were never meant to do this alone. Look, you look back in the creation of the world, Genesis 2, and you see God creating everything. Do you know everything was so good? Scripture tells us land, good, water, good, animals, good. Do you know what was not good? The first thing in Scripture that God says, that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. I'm not talking about marriage stuff. That's something else. It's not good for us to be alone. Humans need humans. We were never meant to do this life alone. We were made to do life with other believers. And it is impossible for me to experience the fullness of life as God has intended it if I only live as a me and not as a we. Okay? 
If we want to experience life to the full, if we want to experience the more, means we have to begin to prioritize doing our life together. Everyone say together. Together. And together, we have one shared mission as disciples because we are on Jesus's mission. You know what Jesus's mission is? Restore and redeem the world. And if you say, Jesus is my savior, I am a disciple of Jesus. And I, I recognize that not everyone here is a disciple of Jesus. So please, please don't think you have to be on this mission if you don't want to be. There's an invitation to be. There's a seat for you at the table. But you don't have to be. But if you say, I am a disciple of Jesus, you have to realize we are on mission with him together. And that mission is the foundation on which we build every other mission. And I just want to be honest for a minute and say that I don't believe that we as disciples have experienced the more that we read about in scripture, the more that we've longed for, because we think we can do it on our own. I don't need people. Listen, I feel this deeply. I am by nature a strong, independent woman. I don't need anybody. Except that I do. I can do a lot. But alone was never the design. It was never the design. It's just not how the game is played. If we claim to be a disciple of Jesus, it means that we know that I am on mission and that mission can only be lived out together. You know why? Together is who God is. It's in his nature, right? Think about God, his personhood, right? One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's as together as it gets. And we were made in his image, which means that we too get to do life together. And let me say, get to. This is not a punishment. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Don't you want that? Don't you want the more? There's more to life than we've been experiencing because we've been trying to do it alone. When we were created, we were designed to do it together. God is such a beautiful picture of togetherness. And I believe there's a reason that he says together for all of us matters. You wanna know why? Because together says, your life matters. Together says, it matters that you're sitting at the table. Together says, it matters that you're bringing all of you are to this place to be a part of something. This doesn't exist without all of us doing it together. It's who we are. It's what we were made to do. And do you know that you have purpose in that? Your life has so much value you were designed and created by God with unique passions and giftings, and it blesses the world when you bring fully who you are to the table. So what do you carry? Are you generous? Are you smart? Are you funny? Like, even dad joke funny. Like, you got dad joke? Who are you? What do you have to bring to the table? Because that's what the church needs. The church exists when everyone brings who they are fully to the table together. And it's God's great plan and his great design. We all have these unique missions that we're on, right? My unique mission, 21, you guys, it was painful to do the math, by the way. I literally had to do the math. 21 years ago, I was a freshman. Ugh. I had a unique mission. I wanted to change the trajectory of my life. I said, I'm not going back. I'm not doing it that way again. We all have unique missions, but we have to remember that we have a corporate mission as well. We are on mission together, and that's Jesus's mission, to restore and redeem the world. And if we're going to experience the more of our faith, it means that we have to begin to prioritize our life so that we may live on mission together.
And we're gonna see a beautiful picture of what this looks like as the early church is birthed in Acts chapter two. You're gonna see what happens after they have an encounter with God that so changes them that they have to do their life differently. And we don't do this often at the vineyard, like really truly, but I felt like Holy Spirit said, would you have them stand as we read scripture? So if you are able, would you stand as I read the word of the Lord to us today? This is found in Acts chapter two. Verse 42, all the believers, everyone say all, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. We're gonna talk about what that means. <clears throat> I lost my place. Oh, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, that's communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all as the, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. Amen? You can have a seat. What you need to know is what preceded this moment was an event happened called Pentecost. And at Pentecost, this is when all the disciples were gathered together and something supernatural happens. The Holy Spirit shows up and falls on them and they begin speaking in different languages. Super weird, we would call that weirdness, the gift of tongues, and we still believe it happens today, right? It's a supernatural thing that happens. They're filled with the Spirit. They are marked in this moment from an encounter that they have with God and their life is forever changed. And this is the moment that theologian believe, theologians believe is the birth of the early church. In this moment, the church, Big C Church, which we are all collectively a part of, was birthed. But out of that encounter, they said our lives must look different. I can't go back to what I did before. My priorities have changed. I'm called to live on a different mission, the mission of Jesus. What does it look like? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is every believer, not just like the super holy ones, you know. Every believer devoted themselves means they were given over. That's what that word means, given over. My whole life is devoted to this stuff, to the teaching of Jesus. What does that mean for us in context today? It means that if we would call ourselves a believer, a disciple of Jesus, we would be committed to this gathering right here. And way to go. You've made today a priority. It matters. It matters. You are saying with your feet, I believe this stuff. I am on mission with Jesus. It really matters. But can we be honest and say that in our Western world, gathering together for like being devoted to the apostles' teaching, that has not so much been a priority in our lives? In our Western culture, we have watered down our devotion to Jesus' teaching. Maybe it means we catch a podcast from a really good preacher, right? Maybe it means, oh, I, well, I'm gonna go like if I have time. I'll show up. Convenience has replaced devotion and we wonder why our lives don't look the way they should. I'm not pointing fingers. This is an invitation from the Father. If life isn't going exactly the way you thought it would, consider your priorities. If you call yourself a believer of Jesus, consider that maybe if I've had an encounter, something in my life would change. Something happens when the gathered body of believers come together and stay on mission together. We're changed, we're marked, we do it as one. 
And again, it's not a punishment. It's an invitation to be a part of something. And we'll get to the why here in just a minute. It says, we are devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This word fellowship, okay, anytime I hear the word fellowship, do you know what I think? I think of this old school church and they say, and now will be our time of fellowship and we will head to the fellowship hall for stale donuts and Christian banter, right? It's the hour of fellowship. You've been to that church? I've been there. I'm just kidding. We love the big C church. That's what I think of when I read this word. Do you know what? That's not what this is. This word is a Greek word that is koinonia. That's what fellowship means. Do you know what koinonia is? Intimate spiritual communion and participative sharing in a spiritual community. Intimate, spiritual communion, and participative, say that 12 times fast, I practiced for you, (laughs) sharing in a spiritual community. You guys, we have watered down our experience of Christianity to be like, I work this 40-hour job that I pretty much hate, but the pay is all right. You know, then I have, oh, throw in a spouse because he's hot. And then kids, maybe 2.5. We probably need, you know, a hobby. Pickleball looks good. Let's do some pickleball. Oh, Jesus. Let's sprinkle some of that Jesus stuff in. It is not God's plan for his church. We have missed it. We have missed the invitation to come and be a part of something that will radically not only change your life, but change the world. There is more, and we have watered it down to thinking it's a hobby. It's not a hobby. It is what we devote ourselves to. It is because we have been so marked by the goodness of God. We can't help but change our lives. We can't help but do it differently. And I'm telling you, it's not to check some box. It's not to say, well, I went to church today. Don't care about that. I care that you're living the life that God has intended you to live because I want you to live the fullness of everything God has for you. I'm out of breath. I need a minute. She's going to want that back probably. Ah, there is more. There's more. We found ourselves broken and tired and confused and wondering why. My encouragement, check out your priorities. Just check them out. Is what you're doing helping you live out the life mission you say you want to live? This is an active participation. It's not passive you don't have to throw shoes at me anymore, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not that active. <laughs> it's not I show up. It's I've come to give. I've come to be a part of something. I'm going to bring everything that God has given me to the table. That's what the early church looked like. And that's a church I want to be a part of. Don't you? I want to be a part of something that's changing the world. I want to be a part where my voice matters, where what I have to give matters. That's the invitation. Come and be fully you. God created you to be you. That's what we're looking for. And you'll see they worship together at the temple and in homes. And this is not either or. I didn't write this, by the way. I'm just reading it to you. At the temple, we would say that's this gathering, and in homes. Why? Both matter. There's something that happens when we come together corporately. You cannot replicate this moment anywhere else in your faith faith journey. You can't. I I can worship alone in my car. Way less fun than worshiping with the gathered body of believers. Something supernatural happens when we come together as one. Together is God's intention. So it's powerful when we do this. You know where else it's powerful? On my couch. When people are coming in my home, raiding my cabinets, hearing my kids fight. Why? That's the real They're in my life. 
You can't replicate that anywhere else. So dedicating ourselves to the coming together here and the going and gathering in homes matters. Read the word, pray for each other, share what you have with the people that are in need. You know where you find out about those needs? When they're sitting on your couch. Oh, I I actually have something to give to you. Let me help. This is how the church cares for one another. And if you've been a part of a church, but you've missed this piece, you probably haven't been cared for in the way God designed. We long to care for you in this way. We long that every need would be met. We long that healing would come week in and week out. Put yourself in a place, prioritize a way for this to happen in your lives. If you're looking for the more of your faith, you know what only happens when we come together. Everyone say together. Together means we are in participative relationships. And in those moments, do you know what? We refine each other. Look, left to our own devices. You guys, how good would that be? I always say, if I, was, if I lived alone, I would never go to bed at the right time because Ben is constantly like, oh, I think it's probably about time to go to bed. I'm like, you're right, but I don't like you right now because I wanted to stay up and watch one more show. In community, he refines me. And then I wake up perky and so happy the next day. What a great idea. Community helps us be our best selves. Together, we refine, we shape. Do you know that healing, healing for trauma happens in healthy connections? This is like proven. So if you've been walking around with some trauma, you've got to have healthy connections where those things are worked out. This is the place we pray for one another, care for one another, do life with one another, and we begin to live a life in common. And don't hear me say sameness. Life in common does not mean we want little Christian robots. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that. God has a beautiful, diverse church that he longs for people to be who they are. But the unifier, the great unifier is who? Holy Spirit. He's the one who comes in and he unifies who we are. We are on one mission, unified by one spirit, and it doesn't matter where you've come from. I'm so excited. I lead a small group in my home. I've been leading a small group for years. I love small group. Again, it's the place where disciples are made. Like, just be honest. It's where discipleship happens. And I, last year, I met a, an amazing woman named Edda. She was here on a Sunday morning, and she tells me, hey, I'm here studying at the university, um, continuing my education. Her home is in Ghana, but she was here, uh, left husband and daughter at home, so she has sacrificed a lot for her family. But she has come here to the university and she's a believer of Jesus. So the first thing she did was she came to find a family. She made a priority in her life to be a part of the body of Christ. From there, I meet her on a Sunday morning. I'm like, you're amazing. Come to my small group. Do you wanna, do you wanna be a part of it? She says, yes. We got to spend all year together laughing, crying, praying for one another, sharing meals, doing life together. And you know what? My life is forever changed because of Edna. And I remember the very first small group we had, we were practicing hearing from God because you can, you know, we believe God speaks and we want to give people an opportunity to practice this. And so we were, and we do this activation where we practice and she hears from God and she turns and she goes, Holy Spirit is here. I was like, yeah, Holy Spirit is here. The same Holy Spirit you've known your whole life is the same Holy Spirit that I know. And the great unifier was Holy Spirit in that moment. It was beautiful, beautiful picture. So what a beautiful year we had. Well, as we're doing life together, she knows that I end up, Holy Spirit asked me to do this kids camp for my neighborhood. I told you guys about it. It was basically a VBS, which was not my idea. So it must have been God's. And we do this thing. She's like, Leah, that was so amazing. She goes, I'm so inspired. I think when I go back to Ghana, I want to do this with my neighbors. I was like, 
man, it's a lot of work. Are you sure you've heard from me? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I did tell her that. But I did, I shared my curriculum and I said, I think it's great. If it's the Lord, let's do it. She runs this camp. She goes home this summer, runs this camp, and she has first 14 and then 18 and then 25 kids from her neighborhood all hearing that God loves them, that they have so much value, that they are made in his image with a a purpose and and a mission for their life. They were radically changed. She said she's going to do one again in December. I'm like, bless you. You're amazing. She's amazing. And I also told her her signs were way better than mine, so I'm a little jealous. But their lives were changed because of this. And this all happened because of a small group. It's because of an open home where we come and we, we, we read the word and we pray for each other and we share our lives together. That's what the church looks like. She sent me a text this week um, and she said this. She said, thank you for teaching me the different ways of doing God's work. You have no idea the things I've learned from you and the entire Vineyard family. I strongly believe that my choosing to come to UIUC out of the many options I had was for God to use all of you to show me my purpose in life. God used you to speak to me and direct my ways. And indeed, this was just the beginning. It's when the believers come together, something supernatural happens. Whether it's kids in a neighborhood, me hanging out at my house, you gathering in your apartment with two people, gather the believers, study the word, worship together, share a meal, and pray for one another. This is what it looks like to be the church. They gathered in the temple and they gathered in the home. And I do just want to address that there are some of us who are maybe a little gun shy on the gathering with the believers. You're like, I've been down this path. And the people, they hurt me. I just want to say, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Everywhere you go in the church, there's going to be people. Just turn and look, look around. People everywhere. People who are all on a journey. People who are not always going to get it right. <clears throat> not perfect people. But people who are willing to commit to one another. To be sharpened by one another. To experience forgiveness and ask for forgiveness when we need it. And do you know the thing about God's church, his community? It means it goes on and on and on. You can't be kicked out of the community of God. You can't be kicked out of family. You can't be like rejected from the family of God. It doesn't work that way. There's an invitation today to be restored so that you may live your life on mission, so that you may see the fullness of everything that God has for you. But if we're gonna do this, we have to reprioritize our lives. Because we don't live on mission organically, ever, right? If we say, I wanna be healthy without a plan, I am never getting up to work out. Never, not one time, never. If we're gonna live on mission, we need a plan. Our plan as a church family, for better or for worse, is this moment, our coming together and our going into the homes, gathering with the believers. To do that, we have to make it a priority. And I just wanna say this first before I get to the why we prioritize. This does not mean we only hang out with believers. I don't want you to leave here going today, oh, I gotta be with my Christian people. Please hear me say, we gather and we scatter. And we go into all the world and we love on the people and real, true love. I'm not, because I have real friends, real friends who I do life with who are not on mission with Jesus. That's okay. Jesus was the sent one. Okay? We are the sent ones. But if we're only gathering with the non-believers and we're not gathering and we're forsaking this gathering, oh, we won't live the fullness that God has for us. 
And prioritizing this in our life costs us. It is a sacrifice to make this happen. You have all sacrificed this morning to be here. I don't know what exactly, but you've made a sacrifice. In my own life, we've had to make sacrifices. This is painful. A couple, a couple weeks ago, my daughter comes to me, middle child, Claire. So that's everything you need to know, middle child. She says, Mom, 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 I want to play basketball at school. I was like, okay, get the little paper, do minimal amounts of work, apparently, and research it. I'm like, practice is Tuesday, Thursday. Okay, it's full, but I think we can make it work. So I'm texting my neighbors, who I love so much, and I was like, oh my gosh, Claire's going to do basketball. And they're like, where is she doing basketball? I'm like, the school, we got the form. They're like, no, she's not. Like, that's not a thing. I was like, no, I got the paper. They're like, that's not with the school, that's club ball. I'm like, no, oh, no. Do actual research. Details are not my thing. Start Googling. Sure enough, I have told her yes to this thing that is club ball. And it is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I had to look at my sweet, almost 10-year-old in the face, who I want to give the world to, and say, I'm so sorry. This will not be a priority for us. Because this matters to me because this matters to me. And don't feel too bad. She still does all the things. Like, she's still, and we got Biddy Ball signed up. She's fine. Like, she can do the other one. But that, I had to say, I'm so sorry. The wingers, we're part of a church family. And you know when the family gets together? Sunday mornings. That cannot be a priority for us. I don't know where in your life God is gonna ask you to reprioritize, but I do think this is a time for reevaluation. If you're not living the more, if you're not experiencing all the things that you say you want to experience, I would just invite you, believer or non, what are your priorities? Are you living out the life that you say you want to live? But if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, if you're saying, I'm going after his mission, we know it can only be lived out together. Together is where healing happens. Together is where we meet the needs of one another. Together is where we care for each other. Together is where we read the word and wrestle with scripture and ask the tough questions. Together is where healing comes. And it is the way God designed his church to be. Amen? Amen. Would you stand as we pray? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have a great mission for us. Jesus, I thank you that you've come to restore and redeem the world and that you have included us in that mission. And God, I just pray that today we would have like a clarification in our lives of what our priorities are to be. Father, I thank you that it's not like, it, it, it truly is an invitation to join you on mission, to be encouraged, to be loved, to be cared for. And I thank you, God, that all of this is made possible with your Holy Spirit. And so we just welcome your grace, Lord, as we look at our schedules, as we look at our lives, as we look at the things that we're putting our time and energy towards. Holy Spirit, would you help us do like the, the slice and dice where we know what we need to cut and what we need to add to live the life that you've called us to live. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to be the teacher in our lives, to be the head of our homes. God, we are just trusting you as we live out the priorities. We trust you as our, our good, good shepherd, and we love you so much. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.